Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome to Amazing But True, everybody. Our Mets podcast from the New York Post. A special Spotify green room emergency podcast. Figgy is coming from the Dominican Republic. I am, of course, in Astoria, Queens, New York. Buck Showalter is the Mets manager. Figure we'd do something a little different for this one. This was something that we were really looking forward to. Um, and again, make sure you catch up on all episodes, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, definitely Spotify where you can rate us now. There's a new rating system, but Buck was announced Saturday. It was announced by Steve Cohen and Figgy. You kind of knew that was going to be the route. I mean, I was just waiting for that, that one piece of news where Steve Cohen broke it and he finally did on Twitter. And, you know, Buck's a guy that you have a bit of a relationship with a guy that, you know, a bit, and he brings a winner to the Mets. He brings a guy with experience, credibility, who's managed on the New York scene. This was an absolute no-brainer hire. I don't want to hear about Matt Contraro and Joe Espada. I'm sorry. They've never done anything. They're third base coach. They're bench coaches. They've never managed a single game in the big leagues. Buck Showalter is what the Mets need. He's what New York needs. And he's the guy that can take the Mets to the promised land. I have to agree with that in every in every aspect. I think once we kind of felt talking, reaching out to Beltron and understanding that he's enjoying time with his family and really um, focused on that, and they didn't look like it was going in that direction, the Mets kind of opened their palette a little bit wider. And, you know, it, it was the guy that kind of made the most sense, uh, I, I think, by all accounts. Um, and then you had his former players raving about him, talking about what a what a good manager he was. You know, his last few years, he had a tough time over there in Baltimore. Uh, was not an easy go at it when you had you know certain players. You had some very talented players. You had players that all of a sudden you know got paid a whole lot of money, like a Chris Davis, and not being able to contribute um, in a big way. You know, Bucks had to deal with the ups and downs of a player going through that. So Bucks had to deal with. You know, New York media before. Buck has been the leader of an organization when I was with the Diamondbacks and he was the manager. He's my first big league manager. Um, and seeing all the control that they gave him in Arizona. And it was crazy to think like he was deciding, you know, what uniforms they should have, the style of the uniform, how they should wear it. Uh, long socks, uh, with a, a logo on it where the pants had to be, you know, able to show the logo. All that stuff was, Almost seemed like micromanaging back then, but he was starting an organization from the ground up, and he kind of brought a lot of the Yankee um, things to it, including purple pinstripes, <laughs> which is crazy to have as a Diamondback. Um, but Buck Showalter is a man who has um, kind of rode the wave in different organizations through different times and has left behind always a winner. Um, he's been the bridesmaid, but never the bride when it comes to winning the World Series, and I think you know, this could finally be the team that puts it together to give him what he deserves. And uh, I, I'm very, very happy for the selection. Mets fans are happy for the selection. Myself, I put out a poll. Um, over 800 people uh, voted, and it was 95 to 5%. 95 to 5%. Um, yes, they're very happy with the Buck Showalter hire. Um, and uh, Mr. Uh, Goof, uh, our Mets Goof fan, uh, he did his own 
poll and he wanted me to post his. So uh, his numbers were like 83% compared to 17% that didn't want Buck. But I think as you saw the writing on the wall and you knew he was the hire and you got to learn a little bit more about him and you hear all his former players raving about him and you know that, you know, this is a tremendous opportunity. And I think he's the right guy for the position today. Yeah, Figgy, I mean, here's the thing. He's got 1,551 wins. You want to combine Luis Rojas, the one week or however long it was at Carlos Beltran, Mickey Calloway, and Terry Collins, and those guys all combined are still 300 wins less than Buck Showalter. So the the last manager with you know recent experience as a manager – that the Mets hired was Art Howe. That didn't work out well in 2003, 2004. We know that. But that was also not as good of a Mets team back then. I mean, they were just, you know, they had a couple of big-name signings, like the Roberto Almar, Mo Vaughn around that time. But that wasn't a very good team that Art Howe took over. Besides that, you know, Bobby V, four years since he managed last. I know Showalter's been out of the game since 2018, although you kind of throw 2020 out because it was a 60-game season. But he's been around the game. He's been on MLB Network. He's been on Yes Network. He's been watching the game, observing the game. So he has been around. But, yeah, it's been nearly 20 years since the Mets hired a manager who had experience prior. So it was about time that they got a voice and a leader in here. And people want to say, what has he done? And my rebuttal to that is winning a World Series is not the end-all, be-all as a manager. Only one team gets that. Every year. Mm-hmm. He came to a Yankees team that, remember, that wasn't the almighty Yankees he came to. That was right. a Yankee team that was struggling and was trying to get back to relevancy. They did. And in 94, he was the manager of the year. It's not his fault. It was a strike short in season. He was 70 and 43. Who knows? Maybe the Yankees, you know, dynasty began in 94. We don't know because it was a short year. 95, they lose in the playoffs. A really good Mariners team in the playoffs in five games. He takes over a new franchise in the Diamondbacks, Figgy. Brand new team. And in the second year of the team, he wins 100 games. And the only reason he loses is because Todd Pratt's homer at Shea Stadium in game five. So he he turned the Yankees around. He turned a brand new team into a 100-win team in its second year. The Rangers, he took to the playoffs. They had no business being that good. The Orioles, he took to the playoffs the only times of the decade. I mean, the Orioles were Mm -hmm. terrible, have been terrible, and he made them relevant. So it's not like he's taken over top payroll teams and great teams. Well, guess what? Now he is, Figgy. Yeah, the perfect storm. It's a, it's a perfect storm where you have a even the, the owner who already had endorsed him before you know they, they started doing the managerial search or, or tightening up the managerial search. And I think that's a big, huge key is that this is someone that seems like everybody's in agreement with. You had Max Scherzer who wanted – him and, and respected Buck. Um, and that's what you're looking for is that these guys in this day and age, yeah, you know, when you have aces and you have superstars, it's difficult to keep everybody happy. But Buck has dealt with this time and time again um, throughout. And I, I remember with the Diamondbacks, it was funny because they, they really wanted to get, they felt like they needed speed. And the guy that they really, really clamored over was Tony Womack. And I'll never forget it. We were at our first day of spring training and we were working on pickoffs and stuff like that. And all he kept doing all day long was going, so say there's a burner on base, like a Tony Womack. And, you know, you're trying to pick him off. You know, you have to be careful because, you know, his 
quick first step. He can be at second base before you know it. So you got to be quick with your first move and then get over and rush over. So everything he did throughout the whole day had Tony Womack's name in it. Tony Womack was a D-back two days later. So he's able to uh, make a lot of moves that make sense and, and, and kind of, you know, give some feedback to the organization where this isn't just going to be an analytical thing. Buck, again, from being an analyst and watching the game and being, you know, still close to the game is, is going to be able to give some insight on these players in a different capacity. Uh, nobody knows clubhouse guys or guys how they really are. When guys are free agents, they seem like the nicest guys on earth. You're going to look at all their foundation stuff. You know, it's, it's like a LinkedIn resume. You're not going to know all the dirt. You're not going to know how many times this guy broke a helmet and almost killed another teammate, you know, because he, 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 he struck out, you know, three times in a game. So Buck will have a lot of input when it comes to the human side of it. And I think that's very important. I spoke with him. Actually, we both got inducted into Johnstown, Pennsylvania, has a triple ABA hall, uh, hall of Fame for a baseball tournament. It's a national invitational tournament. Buck and I were inducted at the same time, and um, we set, spent some time just talking baseball. And it was unbelievable just to hear some of the stories and just some of his insight. And I had asked him straight up, you know, can you, mo- can you manage the modern day player? And he said, I managed some of the most cantankerous people on the planet before. And was, was it, were able to keep them pacified and in good spirits because I had them believing that they were the key to our success. And the more that they bought into that kind of thing, everyone else would be able to follow those guys. So he was never the type that, oh, man, these new analytics, I don't understand them. He, he was actually laughing about the new analytics because he goes, all they did was they took things that we knew and we knew the relevance, the relevance of, and they gave certain things names like you know and they're weird names well bacon whip it started out with whip and it started out with you know the 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 on-base percentage and everything else and 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 as they giving them the names he said we've been doing this for 30 years we know what numbers to recognize and what they mean and, and where we used to rate them now they just have enough data over a longer period of time to now actually put these things into play and try to predict more predictive uh, side of, of, of baseball, which is not easy to do because the human element of all this is the most important, I think. And that's why, as a manager, he has learned this throughout his ups and downs and throughout all the times, like I said, he was that close to winning, uh, you know, with an organization and had it taken out from under him um, where the next guy steps in and winds up winning a World Series in his place. So I think he's uh He's been through a lot. He's learned a lot, and he knows how to handle the New York media. I think he's going to be that perfect fit. And I think the Mets aren't done when it comes to you know the pieces that they need and the pieces that um, they they would like. And I think as now that he's the manager and he can sit back, you're going to see players who like Buck Showalter want to play for him lining up to try and sign with the Mets. You're also going to see Buck Showalter have a hand in saying, I want these guys in my bullpen, and I, I think we should do more of this or have more of these type of players, like I said with the Tony Womack story. It's very annoying when people are like, look at what he, what the teams did after he left. Yeah, I mean, he set them up to have success. So I hate that. It's like, oh, the Yankees dynasty started when he left. Look what the Diamondbacks did after he left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that doesn't just start from scratch. Yeah. That's a process. But usually it's a five-year process. So if you're in the fourth year and they fire you, um, you know, and, and, you know, they fire you. And, and even with the D-backs, I mean, they won, um, like you said, 100 games. He winds up getting replaced 
in 2001 and D-backs go on and win the World Series. And he got replaced by a guy who was in the booth, Bob Brenly. It wasn't even like it was another manager who was, was there. Um, so it, it was very, it's always been very curious how that has, how that has been his kind of legacy thus far is that he has never won the big game. Um, even though he has built, uh, the foundation for a lot of these teams to have success. And so he's on, He's on the precipice of it now with the Mets being able to put all these pieces together with an owner who wants to spend money. And now that you have, you know, those top two guys in that rotation, I, I'd be surprised there aren't, you know, guys lining up to be the next guy to sign with the Mets. I'll guarantee you here, and I tweeted this, Buck Walter will win his first World Series as Mets manager. It might not happen in 2022, but in one of these three years, the Mets are winning a World Series. I'm that confident you know, when you bring in a Scherzer, you bring in a proven manager, you make the moves they have, you bring in Starling Marte, you bring in Kenny, you bring in Escobar. And like you, you said, they aren't done. They're still more, they got to address the bullpen. They need to replace Aaron Loop in some way possible. They still need to get one more at the very least starting pitcher. They're going to get, you know, have you seen him at all? Is Robinson Cano in the league that you are at down there? Have, yes. have you heard about Cano? Yes, no, I seen Cano. We played against him the other day. Um, How's he looking? He had a couple. He had a couple of hits. I mean, he looks like he's in not his best of shapes. Um, he's not swinging a potent bat as of yet. But it's tough because you come into this league here and and you think, yo, I'll have some time to get ready. These guys have been playing since October, um, and some of these pitchers, again, it's major league quality arms without major league quality command. So. You kind of got to be on the defensive sometimes when you're a superstar player like a Robinson Cano of not digging in and getting too close to the plate. And you got a guy throwing 98 to 100 who is maybe an A ball with another organization, but he wants to make a name for himself by striking out Robinson Cano now and not being able to command his pitches. So he, he didn't have the most potent of swings, but he's still a, a presence up at the plate. I played great defense. Um, there's so many shifts being done here. So that's one of the things I said with Cano is, you know, his, 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 uh, you know, his, his glove skills, his hand eye coordination are really still very keen. He doesn't have to move a lot with these shifts. And if he's in the place where he can get the ball, he's sure handed. So that's something that you always count on. I've seen Cano. I actually got to sit and talk with, uh, Marte the other day. He came into our dugout. He used to play for us here at, uh, Escojito and, um, by the way, the man is built like a Under Armour mannequin. It is ridiculous, like how put together this guy is. I mean, he was, he was a young kid when I played with him 10 years ago here. Um, he is a animal right now. Like I patted him on the back and it was like, it wasn't like patting you on the back, Jake. It was not soft and fur and furry. It was, it was like, that's not right. It's not wrong, but I, it was like patting a rock. And, uh, I was like, my God, dude, I go, you are absolutely in great shape. And he just started smiling. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. He's living in long. He got a place in long Island. He's ready to ready to go. He's excited for the season and for the opportunity to put on that blue and orange. I guess that's a school. Well, maybe people know he's got a place in Long Island. Do we know where in Long Island Starling Marte is living? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, um, right after you get off the exit of Nunya and, um, Nanya I went to school Nanya. there. Nanya and business. Is that where it is? Yeah. Oh, Nanya, Nanya yes. and Mindja. 
And right next you, to, that's right next to Garden City. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Between Merrick and Garden City, next to Cherry Valley. I get the exactly, Coyote exactly. Hero with gravy instead of ranch. That's it. You're going to have people hanging out on Marte's lawn. No, but, yeah, he's he's uh, he's very excited, man. And, uh, you know, it's been really fun down here to see some plus-plus talent. Um, and there are some Mets prospects that are around. There's some guys who are on some of the other teams that I'll be keeping a close eye on. Um, so uh, hopefully we win tonight and we move on in the playoffs, uh, here and the playoffs last until the middle of January. Uh, and, and it's an exciting time. Tonight's a winner, winner take all kind of game, uh, us versus Aguilas. Uh, last night, the starting pitches were Ivan Nova, um, and, uh, Carlos Martinez for the other team. So you had two big leaguers going at it and, uh, the game wound up bullpens decided to make it interesting and wound up 12 to nine and we, we won last night. So we win tonight and we move on. You went from hanging around plus size talent in me in September to plus plus talent in uh, December. So you really had a glow up these last few months. Figgy. <laughs> you, you know, you went from Lane Bryant to Prada uh, pretty, pretty quickly, but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, they do have a really good lineup. People don't realize that so many good players go over there and, like you saw in the videos you posted, it is nuts. And the atmosphere is nuts yes. and the lights and everything, the, you know, the lights going on and all. I wish they did that at City Field. Just shut the lights on and all, make it like a party. You got Benny Banassi oh, on no, the no. beats or something. So here's, so here's the, yeah, here's the problem is when those lights went off, those lights went off because the power went out. Oh. Then, and, and to these, and to Dominicans, it's, it's nothing new. There's it, it, a phrase, se fue la luz. You know, like the, the lights went out, the lights are gone. So what happens is as soon as it happened, every fan pulled out their cell phone and put on their flash. And so it looked like stars. It's just black, black background and these just stars going across the whole uh, background. And then they started just doing cheers and chants versus each other, their teams, you know, little uh, team songs and stuff. We had a great time with it. And then finally the lights came back on. Our mascot was dancing it up and it, 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 it happens. And it, it was an experience. I mean, you know who's down here? Um, uh, Mike Brousseau, the guy that took uh, the guy that took Chapman deep and knocked the Yankees out in 2020. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. Almost got hit in the head. So I had him autograph uh, the tweet that I made uh, of him uh, where I said that it was uh, Thor and Thanos where he should have gone for the head again. And uh, he was he was laughing about it. So he signed that. Aaron Hicks was down here with us. He just left. He looks really, really good. I mean, for a guy who hasn't played in a while and came in here facing again, everybody's putting their best pitcher to come in and face Aaron Hicks. Yeah, tell he him to be him. careful. That guy gets hurt by breathing. So tell he, him to be careful. He held his own, and that's one of the things that he was working on. He was working on his flexibility. He was working on getting more and more, uh, more and more comfortable. Um, you know, trying to uh, the old adage, less is more. Um, and he, he was working hard down here to stay healthy. Uh, we have Esteban Floreal who's one of the Yankees' top prospects. He's playing in the game tonight for us. Um, so, yeah, this there's a lot of good young talent, man. Uh, our first baseman won, uh, I think it was AAA Player of the Year last year uh, for the Red Sox organization. So it, it's it's been just constant. Uh, I went from, you know, helping kids and watching, you know, some high schoolers and helping trying to get kids, you know, to get some scholarships places to having an opportunity now to harness, uh, help Fernando Rodney get out of his little funk that he's been going through. 
um, down here because everybody knows what he's going to throw. He's a two-pitch pitcher with a good changeup and uh, it's still a plus fastball. He's throwing 94, 95 miles an hour, and he's 44 years old. Um, but, yeah, there's some really good talent, some really fun baseball, and tonight's going to be probably one of the loudest crowds that I've seen in a long time down here. Is this you warming up to give Buck a call for the uh, Mets to make a call to the Figueroa residence for a potential <laughs> hey, pitching to... coach, bullpen coach, minor league coach I... opening? Uh, yeah, listen, I, I, I want to always pad the resume, and um, I felt like this was a good opportunity to do that. It just doesn't it doesn't give them uh, an easy out that, oh, you haven't done it professionally before. Meanwhile, I'm doing it right now. Dominican Republic has only six teams, and uh, it was funny because I got here, and, and all the teams that were I've, I've seen so far immediately asked me, you know, what are my plans for the future? And, and you know, they didn't even know that I was interested. They, they knew I was doing television and stuff. Um, and so that's why they never really contacted me. But since then, it's been really good, a really warm reception. The, the players have responded really well to allowing me to help both with not just the physical, but the mental side of things. Cause I've, I pitched in this league under a lot of pressure, um, to perform and I pitched with a lot less stuff than these guys have. And so I'm constantly challenging them to be better and not settle for, you know, just throwing strikes around the plate, but being able to command the strike zone and use all their pitches to uh, try and get some easy outs or some weak contact and go deeper into ball games. So, so far it's been good. Um, and hopefully it'll be even better if when, if, and when we get to the round Robin, because I, I, I know we can put it together and, and have a team that has an opportunity to go all the way. I would do no, nothing more than a chance to win a championship here in the Dominican. And then again, I get to reach out and maybe make a phone call to Buck put a message in there and see if uh, any opportunities are available because that is kind of one of my passions is to see if I can help the Mets in some capacity. There you go. Breaking news. Figgy wants the job with the Mets. Well, Buck, if, if they FaceTime you, they'll realize that you're unavailable because you are an Android user. So that will be your, <laughs> your demise. And then they'll have to hit you on WhatsApp and then they got to download WhatsApp well, you're listening to Spotify Green Room, Green Room yeah, right exactly. now, Jake Brown. One thing to talk about. I had to download Spotify Green Room. How about that? Yeah, well, you know, for the brand, of course. This is amazing, yeah, but true. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa. Buck Showalter is the newest Mets manager. He gets a three-year deal, and he gets the richest contract for a manager in Mets history, which almost figure doesn't matter. When you're talking about Steve Cohen and the richest owner on the planet, the money doesn't matter. Pay the man. Give him a blank check and see what he's got. And the, the haters say, that, you know, he knows analytics. He's, you know, that's the knock on him. Oh, can he adjust to today's game? That's a bunch of baloney. And I think it would have been an issue if his Quattaro, I can't even say his name, and Espada, because <laughs> I think those guys would have been too invested in analytics and the nuances of the game. And that doesn't work always. Look at the Yankees. Aaron Boone, big analytics guy, blah, blah, blah. They haven't won anything in the last dozen years. So, I, I mean, I like this approach of going with the experienced guy over the new guy, and and it shows a shift in the Mets regime because I think the Wilpons, they might have wanted a puppet, they might have wanted you know Fozzie Bear, they wanted the puppeteer, but now they got a guy who's going to call the shots, and I'm very gladly say here's the keys to the castle, you call the shots, Buck. He's been in these experiences in New York and in the playoffs before, and no one says Bobby V could say that, so. Um, I, I like the guy, the fact that he could call the shots, Figgy, and that he's not going to be, you know, all analytics, but he will be enough analytics to have success. 
Yeah, of course. You're going to, you're going to want to do what's best for the team and give the team every chance to succeed. So if there's information available, if there's access to information and, and there's game planning ahead of time, I mean, it, it does make sense. Like myself being an assistant pitching coach here. So the pitching coach can really focus on, say, the starter for the day and really get him honed in on what he needs to do while I work more with some of the bullpen guys, explaining to them what their situation will be when, you know, if we only, if start only goes four innings, you're going to be the guy in the fifth, unless we need a back end guy to get us out of a jam. You're going to be the first guy up. You're going to, so it gives these guys a better sense of, you know, it's not a surprise when things happen. And I think if they kind of have that going into the game, as you're moving through the lineups and you see who the lineup is, you can better prepare yourself to, for a matchup of, you know what, let's put a guy who has a really good slider against guys who can't handle breaking balls. It gives you just more of a chance to win. Now, if that guy doesn't execute the breaking ball and he hangs the breaking ball, there's nothing you can do about that. But the idea is that we're using our best pieces to try and get out as quickly as possible and give our team a chance for success. And I think Buck is a, a, a good – uh, not a student of that. He's more of a master of that. This is a guy who's played both chess and checkers. You know, he hasn't just jumped to just chess. Oh, I'm a great chess player, but I don't know how to play checkers. I think that's what baseball has become. You have a lot of guys who are doing the analytics and everything is decided on that printed card and going by the, just the card. We've seen that for the last two managers, right? How many times have we sat there going, but th- there's so many options. And they're like, nope, nope. The only thing it says here that it's in green is that do this move. And that's what I went with. So I don't like that. I don't think that's the way baseball managing should be. I don't think that's the way baseball coaching should be is that, you know, you got to have a half of, have a feel of where each guy is at individually. And so that's why you're seeing these coaching staffs growing exponentially. You know, you have a hitting coach, an assistant hitting coach, a pitching coach, an assistant pitching coach. You got uh, a, a guy who's, uh, pitching strategist you've got a guy who's working on pitch development where you know it used to be called bullpen sessions and the bullpen coach would just watch you now the pitch development is hey we're working on changing the tilt of your slider a little bit to get more swings and misses and now you're really trying to hone on you know preparing each and every single pitcher to not just hey this is a finished product in the big leagues but try to enhance them so that when they continue on in the big leagues for your team they're more, more and more successful each and every year and Buck still is going to have a lot of moves ahead of him on this Mets team. You know, when you look at what they need, you talk about a starting pitcher. This guy's still out there. And he's coming into a spot where he has no idea when he's reporting to camp. Very strange. I pray, Figgy, that this doesn't extend into the summer. I said, like, if, if it goes April becomes spring training, May season, fine. That gets rid of those weeknight cold games at City Field. You start in May. It's a little warmer. I'm fine with that. Do you have any idea? Have you talked to anyone in baseball about when this thing could get going, when the lockout might end? Well, we know now last Thursday the teams met, or the two sides met, I should say. The two sides met um, and discussed some of the smaller issues, some of the much lesser issues than money, uh, free agency, arbitration time, and all those different things. Those are going to still be the biggest issues when it comes to uh, what's going on in baseball and, and, and with the lockout. So I think more and more, um, you know, they're going to knock out these littler things, but they're not going to talk about money or economics of baseball until after the new year. So we know that at least. And it seems like that's, you know, two weeks away. So every or a week and a half away. So every day that goes by that, you know, there's no other meetings, it pushes everything back a little bit, but for players, 
they're just getting ready for spring training anyway. So this doesn't change anything. So I, I can't see them going, well, we're going to have to push back spring training because owners and the union didn't agree until the day before spring training. You know, these guys are ready to go. They're ready to go at a, at a, they'll be ready to go in February at a moment's notice and, and get down there and go through the regular routine. So I'm hoping that everything will be done by February. Um, am I confident in that? No, but I like to put it out there in the world and manifest a, a positive outcome with this because that's a really, uh, the scariest thing is for owners know last, uh, in 2020, you know, how bad it was without having fans in the stands and COVID and they took a big hit with that. I don't think they want to risk anything like that again, where this is something that is controllable at least. And they could, you know, really, uh, put a, put a very bad taste in everybody's mouth compared to, you know, some of the other sports that are coming back and, and with football, you know, you can see all the fans in the stands again, no matter what they claimed about the kneeling and everything else. You see how football fans have reacted to being able to be at the, at the, uh, stadiums and they're packing the stadiums and they're excited about it. I would hate for baseball to start moving backwards again um, after having such a tremendous playoffs in World Series. Yeah, I mean, get a clue, Rob Manfred. I mean, maybe the worst commissioner in sports uh, and you hope they make the right changes for whatever they do. You know, I've heard some rule change where like uh, the best team gets to play who they want to play. That would be such a sideshow yeah. act if a team right. gets to pick who they play. You agree with that, right? Like, that makes no sense. I'm fine with maybe one more playoff team, whatever. That probably helps right. the Mets. But, like, when you talk about, all right, Dodgers, you get to pick who you want to play. I mean, you want to hand out participation trophies and, and give out ice cream sandwiches after the game, too? You can't okay. do that, Figgy. No. No, absolutely not. I think the only way to, to do it where it's, it's going to be valued for – um, really focusing on winning and, and, you know, spending money to win and, and trying to develop winning players and, and continue to have a, you know, really good product on the field. The only way to do that, I think Dale Murphy was the one who kind of put it out there in the athletic about how the draft needs to be reshaped. So to, to enforce, uh, trying to win and that playoff team should get the top 10 draft picks, not the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, I, I get it. You want to be competitive, but at the same time, if you're going to be competitive, you have to be competitive during the season as well as, you know, for years to come. You can't just mail it in and say, oh, well, we're going to get a really top draft pick for this. And what usually happens, that top draft pick winds up going to a really suck-ass team and usually doesn't wind up helping them very much. You know, the Astros, you know, got lucky at the time that they did, but that was only because a lot of other things had to, to happen for them to wind up with – Bregman and and um, Correa and you had Altuve and even even though he wasn't there very long, um, you know Martinez. Uh, so you had four players of that caliber, but they did do a good job of building a whole team and organization. And the organizational way that they played the game of baseball is still going strong. You know, years after the 2012 draft, um, when they started getting these players, so. It's one thing to draft. It's another thing to develop. It's another thing to sustain. And uh, teams like Tampa Bay and Houston seem to do a really good job of that. Um, teams like the Yankees, where it used to be plug and play, where, all right, we're going to just buy the best players and, and bring them to you know Yankee pinstripes and we'll win. That has happened less and less and less in the game of baseball. All right. Well, the Bucks show Walter press conference, 1 p.m. tomorrow to close on Buck. And then we'll open it up if, if you guys – let, let us know if you have questions, comments. We'll take them in the chat room. 
uh, at the bottom, or you can hop on. We'll go about five to ten more minutes here, but Buck Showalter is a step in the right direction, a no-brainer hire by the Mets. 1,551 wins, a three-time manager of the year, has won playoff games, not a World Series yet. He'll do that here in Queens. You pair him with Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom at the top of the rotation and Starling Marte and Escobar and Canna and more moves to come because the Mets also did lose Marcus Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, Javier Baez, and Aaron Loop. They lost big pieces. They brought in big pieces, but there's a lot more pieces that are needed to be done. Um, so those are coming down the pipeline once this lockout ends and moves are able to get made again. But this is a big boy, big cojones move by the Mets to finally bring someone in here that's not going to be a puppet, that's going to call the shots. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. For the people who are like, I don't know about this, well, of course it might not work. This is the Mets. We know the bad luck that comes with this goddamn franchise. We know guys come here and fail. That's just the history. But on paper, there's no other move that could have been made, especially when you look at the other candidates. And I didn't think it was realistic. That's why I said Carlos Beltran. Because I didn't think the Mets would go this route, but they did. And you love Billy Epler for it. You love Uncle Stevie for it. You know, there's reports of Sandy report re, uh, prefers Kachar. Sandy's not here after another year. We're a year away from sending, sending Sandy on a rocket ship to the nearest bingo hall. So, you know, I, 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 I'm good on Sandy. So if he you know, usually do the opposite of what he says. Um, so this is a big move. He's a guy that managed you. That you speak highly of. I respect what you have to say about him. So there we go. Buck Showalter, 2022, three years. All right, if you have questions, let us know now. Now's your chance. We'll do about five minutes here of questions. Type them in the chat uh, or request to speak. Click the request button at the bottom. Uh, and if you don't, we'll we'll wrap up the show here. So while we wait for that, Figgy, what is the weather down in the DR? Is it is it nicer down there? I've never been there. Is it I think nicer? It's mid it's mid eighties. How's the weather oh. where you're at today? That's a, a balmy twenty nine down here. Yeah, it's it's mid eighties. Um, yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It's baseball weather. All the guys that are from the Northeast that are playing here right now are so thankful that they decided to come down and play. Um, again, it's just, it's been exciting baseball. It's been highly competitive baseball. And now we have, uh, like, uh, in my profile picture, I'm sitting there with Juan Marichal, who. That's who that is. Okay. Yes. So I got a chance to sit and talk with him. And it was funny because he tells me we start talking and he didn't recognize me with the long hair. And so I start telling him, I go, you know what I remember when you were getting honored in Miami and we were there, the Mets were there and he had to walk through our bullpen to go on and off the field. And as he's walking by me in the bullpen, he sees me and he goes, Oh my God. He goes, I love watching you pitch. And I just like, like a little kid just start to laugh. Like, are you, is he really talking to me right now? And he's like, I love watching you in the Dominican. He goes, you compete and you pitch and you know how to pitch and you move the ball around. He goes, you're a joy to watch. He goes, I wish you all the best and all the success in the world. And I was turning around like, did anybody here hear that? 
Like, did you guys hear that? So as I'm telling you, were like, did, did anyone get that on video? Did anyone Seriously. record that? So he said, I look at him and, he, and I said to him, I said, do you remember in Miami? And he turned around. He goes, when I told you, I love watching you pitch. I go, oh, my God, did you hear it? He said it again. And they all started laughing in the dugout. And they, they took a bunch of pictures of us. And, I mean, that that's what I love about this place, man, is that it gave me an opportunity uh, to be more than just Nelson Figueroa, the journeyman right-hand pitcher who was in the U.S. I got an opportunity to pitch here and win championships and, and, and do some really special things that these people here will never forget and they'll never let me forget. I, I'm reminded of it daily with the fans. Um, and, you know, they, they thank me for winning championships down here. They thank me for, you know, my competitiveness where I, I, I was a throwback. I didn't give up the ball. I went, you know, if I went seven innings, it was a bad game. Um, so I was really excited to come back here and, and just be in this environment because it's second to none, especially at this time of the season where you're going to the playoffs and, uh, you know, have a chance to win a championship again. All right. I'm going to come down there one winter, a non-pandemic yeah. winter, and uh, I want to experience the game, the crowd, uh, everything you're talking about there because I have heard good things. People say go to the DR Costa Rica, Puerto Rico, all those places, and uh, I will need to make a trip. This is amazing. But true, Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, are you on board with me here, Figgy, as we close it out? You think Buck Showalter wins his first and, and gets the Mets a title? I, I believe they're they're going to be able to compete and go deep into the playoffs. They need to make, again, a couple more moves. The bullpen is always what it's going to come down to. But I, as I said before, having Scherzer – is like getting a, a another middle reliever with one of the best starters in baseball because you bat you pair him behind Degrom at any point and you know you have two guys that are going to give you at least fourteen of the eighteen innings and uh, you know if you can have a guy like a Seth Lugo go two innings if they're up big or if you want to go and you want to close out the game and you, you go you know with a lefty righty combo you, you're going to use a lot less pitchers so those other pitchers will be available to help the number three starter, the number four starter, and get it turned back around to Jake and uh, Jake and the Madman as soon as possible. Merry Buckmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Buckmas and Queens. We got a good one. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Amazing But True Figgy. Have a happy holidays and Merry Christmas, a happy new year. You guys will catch this replay of the show on the usual platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, shout out to Spotify Green Room as we give this a test. Uh, maybe we'll do the next piece of news, maybe a Twitter Spaces, Twitter Live, all that. Um, but Tuesday, 1 p.m., the press conference for Buck. Looking forward to hear what he has to say. You know, he's been out of the game a few years. Things have changed. Things will change once this new CBA and hopefully lockout ends. So he's he's been through a strike where he won manager of the year. Now we see what happens here. Figgy, have a good holiday. Good luck. In the uh, you know in the championships down there, uh, thank you, thank and you. Uh, you know enjoy your. When, when do you return? By the way, when are you back in the in the states? Wow, that's a slippery slope right now. Again, we win tonight, we move on. Um, depending on what the quarantine situation is back in the states, if I have to self quarantine for five days when I get back there, that's too long. Uh, a week of baseball will have gone by, so I may not make it back for Christmas um, and New Year's. So it's still up in the air, but we shall see. And um, I'm I'm here for the long haul. I want to be here until February where the Caribbean Series, which is uh, the winner of Dominican, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Mexico, uh, Panama, and Cuba makes an appearance every now and then. 
will come and play here for a tournament of champions in the Dominican Republic. All righty. Well, good luck down there. For Nelson Figueroa, Andrew Hartz, I'm Jake Brown. Thanks for listening to Amazing But True, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you sometime after this lockout ends. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, everybody. Peace.